from the Arctic villages, right? We were from all over um, coming together over this this one ritual, this medium of running, which if you ask me if I had to pick a religion, it would be running. And there's so much healing power in running. And, and that's something we're trying to share with people, that this is an accessible thing. It's not competitive running. It's accessible running that anybody who wants to move, like physically move and, and not just to burn calories, but to, you know, you know, when I run, it's a very private matter for me still. I'll go run through through the forest and I'll go run in nature. It's not it's not to check out. If anything, it's to check in mm. and to have those, you know, to plug into the things that are happening around me and process some of those emotional complex feelings that I'm having about society around today. Hey guys, can you imagine for a moment running a 6,000 mile marathon? Now just imagine that, you running a 6,000 mile marathon. Well, if you're like me, I definitely can't imagine that for a moment. But today, our next guest has done that exact thing. He is the son of a working class Mexican immigrant who fled the life of labor and fruit packing plants to run a Native American marathon from Canada to Guatemala. And in this stunning memoir that really does move to the rhythm of feet, labor, and the many landscapes of the Americas. This story has been covered by the New York Times and many other established, reputable media outlets because it is such a galvanizing story really around our ability to create history by truly activating our full potential to achieve the extraordinary, to achieve the things that we previously felt were just beyond our reach. And what's really striking about the story for me, guys, is that nothing really is beyond our reach anymore. Anything you set your mind to is achievable. So how to do that? Well, without further ado, into Nowhere Alvarez. How's it, guys? Welcome back to yet another cracking installment of the Map Round Show. Today, I, I'm, I'm privileged and honored to bring to you live all the way from Boston in the States, Nowhere Alvarez. Nowhere, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Great stuff, man. So um, you're the author of an incredible book, um, and it's covering an incredible journey. Um, this book is entitled... Go ahead, introduce your book for us. Uh, yeah, I wrote the book uh, Spirit Run, a 6,000-mile marathon through North America's stolen land. That is a crazy headline, I must say. A 6,000-mile marathon. Oh, geez. Um, be- but before we get into that, there's lots to cover here. Um, but um, uh, before we do that, uh, we are live broadcasting this, guys, on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. So if you are watching this live, simply plug in your comments on any of those channels and my team will be feeding these back to me and we'll include them live in this broadcast uh, in today. So uh, also stick around to the end of this broadcast, guys. We'll be giving away some cool stuff. So let's get on with with the meat and the potatoes. So Nowhere uh, Spirit Run, a 6,000-mile marathon through North America stolen land. Um, where does this journey begin? Where did the spark come from to do something like this? Um. Well, it goes way back to, to my upbringing, really. So I was born and raised in Yakima, Washington, to um, immigrant parents, right? And so all my reality was based around working in the fields, working in the soil, um, amongst working class. So I tell people that, you know, this, this story is um, it's a working class indigenous narrative about, you know, peace and dignity. And so my whole reality was around getting to college, right? Getting out of town and, and, and doing something better, right? Getting out of town, getting to college. And so I never actually thought that I would get to college, right? That wasn't a narrative that was, was my reality. And when I finally got there, 
I sort of had this meltdown. And so it's just, um, I called it quits, dropped out and, um, happened to coincide with this, this, this enormous run that happens every four years. And so physically it begins in Alaska in the Arctic village, North of Alaska. And it runs every day, weaves through uh, hundreds and hundreds of indigenous communities. And it finishes in the Panama Canal, Central America. While at the same time, there's a run from Argentina that starts in the southern tip of Tierra del Fuego and it runs northbound. And, and we meet in the uh, Panama Canal for a week-long ceremony. So, so physically, it starts way up north and way up south. And you run every day with the goal of, of connecting with as many indigenous communities as possible. Um, and the movement was called Peace and Dignity Journey. So that was sort of the incentive is to sort of uh, uh, kind of um, spread that message and, and show show it through through the, through the act of running. So mm-hmm. for me, it really started as a child um, where I was from. So. And so were you always a runner or was this something that you had to kind of train for for many months? Well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I actually hated running <laughs> uh, before this, you know? Yeah. Like, like I was, I, I tell people that my conditioning was really my upbringing, right? Like I was always working alongside my parents, you know, when I was a kid, you know, small kids, my parents would wake up before the you know, sunrise and, you know, they pick me up, you know, they, you know, from, you know, they couldn't afford daycare. So they, you know, pick me up over their shoulder put me in the car and, and then they drive into the field and then I'd wake up under a, you know, an apple tree while my parents were sort of out there picking apples and laboring in the field. And so when I would wake up, I'd go and help them. And so physically I've always fit, I guess I was always out there doing that sort of stuff. So I mm-hmm. think that was really my, 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 my conditioning. And, but, but, you know, I, you know, I did running in middle school and, you know, I played basketball here with friends in the neighborhoods. Um, but running in and of itself wasn't, wasn't what I was used to doing. Um, and, and you quickly learn when you join this run that it's so much more than just running. We had a motto on the run, you know, you know, running, you know, that, you know, running was the easy part, <laughs> you know, people, it was getting along with the people and, and running through tough terrains and so much more to it than, than the act of, the act of running really. Mm. How does one prepare for a 6,000? That's a 10, that, what is that? That's like 10,000 mile, uh, sorry, 10,000 kilometers. That's like, that's a frightening distance. How does one begin to prepare physically and mentally for something like this? What yeah, was your no, journey? Um, and, and I only ran a fraction, <laughs> really. You know what I mean? And so, mm. um, so that's a really good question. I think, I think the whole run, you know, was about committing to things that were bigger than yourself. Right. And so if you ran and you joined this run to burn calories, to, just to, 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 you know, just, just to get fit, um, you know, those runners didn't last, you know, you were quickly reminded about, you know, why you're doing this because it was voluntary, right. You know, and, and the run had to continue without you. And so you had to ask yourself why you were running. And so for me, I think, you know, it was committing to things that were bigger than yourself. You run in the name of miles, right. And so we would run, we would start the day with ceremony and end it with ceremony. And we'd be, you know, housed by the community, the indigenous communities. We would be camping out and we would sit down with elders and, and people who, who had knowledge about the land and they would share with us what they were what they were struggling with and, and what they wanted us and the world to know. And so we would sit there and have these powerful, sad, beautiful, happy stories. And then we would carry that with us um, on our next run. And so we had we were, those stories would run in our minds. Um, and that, and I think that's what would empower very many people. So I think it's a very different concept of just running 
Um, it was so much more to it. It was it was about having ceremony with the people. Mm. Um, and so, what surprised you while you were doing this uh, this run? I mean, was there anything that you learned about um, about about yourself? I mean, what really surprised you um, in the process of um, undertaking this marathon event? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Um, I mean, things changed today, you know, even though we ran as many as we did, you know, oftentimes, you know, we would get lost. <laughs> we, we, you know, we would encounter animals. We would, we, you know, um, I, you know, we wouldn't, there was dynamics on the run, challenging dynamics on the run, right? Um, questions around what it meant to be working class, what it meant to be indigenous, what it meant to be Mexican, what it meant to be a runner. And, and, and people came at it from different walks of life. So in a way, that was something that um, I guess I wasn't quite expecting either. But the most surprising thing for me thing was just the the, the fire, the, the power that, that you find in yourself, <clears throat> the power of community, like how you find that, how I found that I was capable of running so many more miles in the company of other people who were putting in the work, right? Who, who you know, we were all full of flaws and complication. You know, humans are, are messy beings, right? And so it was just like a bunch of people with messy backgrounds just coming together through the medium of running and prayer, right, and trying to trying to put the work in, right, and so I was really surprised, and you know, by by how much I was capable of running, having not had much conditioning experience beforehand, you know. Mm. Um, so, how many people were you running with? I mean, you mentioned the power of community along this, um, you know, and when you were undertaking this kind of crazy idea. Um, what was the role of community in this whole experience? Oh, it was it was a hundred percent community, right? It was all about community. It was all about you coming in second, you know. And so there was a you know a core body of about ten runners, right? Um, people dropped off, jumped on, and then when we would run into and out of communities, we we um, allowed the community, you know, we we um, to sort of run on their terms, you know. So we we joined and we sort of try to honor their rituals and their ceremonies. So oftentimes we would run into and out of communities with crowds of people children's anybody who wanted to commit to this do this run for a day a weekend a couple of weeks right and so it would be a massive numbers but for the most part it was a core body of about 10 runners and we ran relay right so that's the thing is so we ran literally with physical uh, things in our hands we ran with with feathered staffs and so <clears throat> what those are, um, these are staffs that were donated by the indigenous communities across the world. And so in, in Alaska, it started with three feathers, right? 
the eagle feather, the macaw feather, and the uh, condor feather, which represents North, Central, and this, all the South American indigenous nations. And so as we run, it collects feathers and, and collects stories, things that represent prayers, people that, that, that wanted us to pray for their son who was struggling from drug addiction, decimated landscapes. And so as you ran every day, that staff gathered more and more feathers and it physically got heavier and heavier. So it was like a physical visual reminder of why you were running. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it vacillated um, oftentimes, but often we were running by ourselves and we had to tell ourselves why we were running. Yeah, I'm sure. And that question of why is a big one, right? I mean, to do something like this is not something that you kind of, you know, get out of bed one morning and say, hey, let's do this, you know, regardless of what um, what uh, what you may feel about undertaking something like that. I mean, you're going to come up with some serious um, challenges along the way. I mean, blisters and who, who God knows what else, and we can get into that. Um, but why? what was the why? Where did you go into, into in terms of your mindset in order to continue to you know, run 6,000 miles, even when the challenges that you were under or facing were, were huge? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I feel like I'm still having that question, right? Like it, there's a reason why this run happens every four years. It was supposed to happen this year and I was supposed to plug back into it um, to come and kind of come full circle. But um, it happens four years because we're still working at it, right? That is a question that is never, you know, ending. And I think that's a good thing. And so it's a matter of just kind of plugging into our daily rituals, our regular rituals, these kinds of questions. Why am I the way I am? Why am I committing to the things that I commit to, right? And so, and I think, and it's good that it's an ongoing, you know, pressing concern. And so for me, it came down to wanting to retransform the migrate the migratory experiences of my parents you know because my parents immigrated from mexico into the united states and so there was this trauma around running because you had to running because you were running from danger and running because it was a bad thing and running from danger in general right that was always a narrative right and so i wanted to retransform that experience um and wanted to tell people that i wanted to run on my own terms that running is a beautiful thing that movement is healing you can expose yourself to, to, to countless stories. And so I think when you, people push themselves beyond their comfort zones and literally physically get out of your comfort zone into harsh landscapes, and then you sit down with an indigenous population who has something beautiful to say, I think that's a very gorgeous, gorgeous thing to be thinking about, you know? Mm. And so, um, yeah, so I think that I think that was the reason what I was running is that I was trying to commit to things that, that were bigger than me and my, my parents was really, you know, because I grew up in a tough neighborhood, right? So it was mm. all about running was a bad thing. And I was a good runner, I guess, when you know, running away from, from 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 dangerous things. And I didn't want that no more. I didn't want that haunting me anymore. You know, and so I, I told myself, that's it. I gotta I gotta retransform um, what running is to me. Yeah, um, you mentioned um, indigenous po- uh, population and um, you know engaging with um, these. Can you use the word tribes? Is that the right way to? right uh, label to use indigenous nations yeah, yeah. um is, is how we refer to it yeah okay indigenous nations so um can you describe um what kind of insights or lessons they convey to you uh when you did meet these um indigenous populations and nations oh uh that, that very that was plenty you know and that's some of the things that i that i tried to sort of demonstrate in the book and so there's no way that i could have told this story without them right um, without the runners, without the stories, you know, and so I weave in, you know, those narratives into the book. 
And, and, and I sat with that for a really long time because it was about how to properly honor not only, you know, their stories, but my parents' stories and how, how was I, you know, how could I amplify those voices, right? Because I wasn't trying to replace, I wasn't trying to speak for, and I still am not, right? Like I am not, um, you ask any runner what that run meant to them and they'll tell you something slightly different, right? Mm. And so for me, it was, it was a very, it was a very receptive community, right? And one, I guess one, one thing that I learned, you know, one thing that really stuck with me is um, one indigenous elder uh, taught me up north and they, they quoted, I think, Maya Angelou, right? It was like, people won't remember what they said to you, you know, what you said to them. They'll remember how you made them feel. And mm-hmm. that never left me, right? It was always like, okay, to live with, with good intention, with good soul. And so no one, you know, I, I went in with a lot of questions because culturally I grew up Mexican, um, you know, Mexican, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I, you know, I have my indigenous, uh, my my indigenous roots that I've always had sort of a desire to sort of a unearth and learn about. And so when I came into these communities, they were very receptive, and they said, you know, it'll come to you. You have to find it your own way. Running is 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 is, is something you got to discover for yourself, you know. And so, um, you know, we took it a day at a time, and 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 you know, and everyone had a sort of a different answer for for for, for how to sort of commit to. To, to, to living more well, right? And so it was about sort of allyship too, right? Um, working with people who were culturally different from you, right? But that, you know, finding those common grounds mm-hmm. and that allyship was really tough work. So I guess it really came down to that is that you really got to put in the miles, right? Like, like it's not easy learning, right? It's not easy trying to sit and live and, 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 and look um, for commonality with other people. And, and it, was, it was hard work every day. Mm-hmm. every day about about what it means to put in the work roll up your sleeves and 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 be be a good be a good person to somebody else right and so we were physically showing that through our running through our ceremony you know mm-hmm. so but a lot of lessons right so i i put those in the book and and it's only the tip of the iceberg of, of the experiences that i had out there yeah i'm sure um so obviously you know it's um, especially in South Africa. I'll talk about. We've got so many different um, languages. We've got eleven official languages here, um, and um, you know, there's different tribes, Zulu, Kosa, and many, many others. Um, and um, and you know, I suppose we we're learning still. We've come a long way. I don't think we're where, where we need to be as a as a country, but um, but certainly we've learned to celebrate our differences in many respects. Um, and um, and sport has been a great way to bring our differences together, and has been that way since 1995, all the way up to um, our rugby team winning the latest um, kind of World Cup rendition last year in Japan. And um, I wanted to kind of get your insights around, you know, uh, human beings. How do we overcome our differences with others? And you know, if you think about COVID-19 and the coronavirus and everything else, it's almost accelerated our indifferences in some respects you know it results in panic buying it results in kind of unusual behavior if you were to describe it like that um but um how do we overcome our differences if we are all i mean again i suppose the one thing to say around COVID 19 is that it's actually brought us together in many respects as well because it's now us against the invisible enemy if that makes sense um and um i wanted to get your views i mean how what have you learned about overcoming your differences with other people how do we tackle oh, that's that? a great question no no that, that's that's and you know at the root of it it's hard work right and sometimes we don't want to put in the hard work right and now i think we're in a situation where we have to sit with ourselves and sometimes it's uncomfortable right because mm. i think we get so busy 
of you know in our work in our in in doing other things that we don't actually sit down with ourselves and have a conversation with ourselves and confront those messy realities about ourselves and i think that's the thing is that we need to confront that we are messy people but that's okay but we got to put in the work right and so for us it's like running running and sort of sort of helps us sort of it was sort of a listening journey right that that's what it really came down to it was just a matter of listening like like fully committing to just listening to what people are saying around us right and developing a ritual for confronting it like developing a line of inquiry like like you got to put in the work i can't just sit down today and then think about the problems of society and then my role on it just for an hour and then move on and never do that again like you have to sort of commit to that and it'll come to you individually you know we all have our own roles for how to sort of contribute to society and, and that conversation right for me this book is a conversation starter it's a conversation about how complex and messy we are there's no black and white anything right but that's so beautiful like right like you know we were coming from indigenous communities from the city from the arctic villages right we were from all over um coming together over this this one ritual this medium of running which if you ask me if i had to pick a religion it would be running and there's so much healing power in running and and that's something we're trying to share with people that this is an accessible thing it's not competitive running it's accessible running that anybody who wants to move like physically move and and not just to burn calories but to you know you know when i run it's a very private matter for me still i'll go run through through the forest and i'll go run in nature it's not it's not to check out if anything is to check in mm. and to have those you know to plug into the things that are happening around me and process some of those emotional complex feelings that i'm having about society around today but you know it's hard right so it's hard to just because it's so overwhelming right there's so much overwhelming you know negative things that are happening in this world but we got to have hope right and, and and you can do it through through ritual through your own ceremony whatever that is that looks like to you but the thing is you got to commit to it right you got to commit to a to a ritual which you got to do it regularly however often you can once a week mm. you know have those you know confront those questions and then ask yourself what your role and um in that could be you know and so for me i do writing i, t- I share stories you know i i commit to calling friends more often right so it's like i'm i'm, I'm trying to put it in the work where i feel i can while at the same time allowing myself self-care right allowing myself that sacred space to say you know i you know you know to, to, to sort of break down to sort of just just be with my vulnerability right mm. but just know that we're out there there are many of us out there you know you're not alone and so the run is showing is showing that like there's a lot of us out, out there and we're showing a full force through peace and dignity we're all over the place now right we're running from alaska to panama we're running east coast through new york um there's runs in jamaica you know there's runs everywhere now you know and so so there's a reason for that. Like there's something about this run that's resonating with people. And it's like you were saying, it's like developing a language, right? Mm. Beyond words almost times, right? And mm. and for me, it's funny that I became a writer. Like I had such fear of language growing up speaking Spanish, right? I got I used to get in trouble for speaking Spanish. So I had a lot of trauma around language. So physical language, right? Running language, like whatever you can do to 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 connect, it'll come to you, right? And I know I think I think we just gotta just sit with ourselves. And I think we're in that time period right now where people are having to sit with themselves. Um, if they have that luxury, right. Of working from home, a lot of frontline workers don't have that luxury. Right. And so, um, just, just committing to a little bit of time, uh, each week, every day mm. to, to, to ask those questions, I think is important. And I think that's a great start. You know, yeah. and all we can do is just ask questions. 
How's it, guys? Just a quick one to say, did you know that due to COVID-19, that the small business sector in South Africa is currently at risk with close to 525,000 formal SMEs locally, employing 6.6 million people. These businesses are at greater risk today than ever before. You know, as a community, we need to do as much as we can to help SMEs succeed and survive during this time. And to this end, I've decided to give away free copies of my number one Amazon best-selling book, You're in the Game Today, which shares the 12 principles that high-impact entrepreneurs, billionaires, and world champion athletes use to overcome the impossible and achieve the extraordinary. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy or maybe share a copy with an entrepreneur that you feel could benefit from this incredible story, please head on over to mattbrownshow.com. Hit the Your Inner Game link, put in your details, and we'll deliver a digital copy to you instantly. And for more information, guys, about the book and more developments around the Matt Brown Show, head on over to mattbrownshow.com. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of questions, I've got quite a few coming in uh, from across social media. We'll get to you guys. Uh, I think it's your Don and Demisu. I think Keith also on Facebook. Um, thanks for checking in. Um, and, um, I wanted to kind of, um, kind of just, uh, double down on what you've just said. You know, have you heard a guy, have you heard of a guy called David Goggins before? Hmm. Uh, remind me. He, David Goggins is a like Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL. And, um, he's a, he's an author. He's basically the hardest man alive in my view. <laughs> so <laughs> he runs like ultra marathons and all this kind of thing. And, and he talks about, you know, um, the idea of, of, um, of suffering, but also how do you stay hard in terms of your mindset in overcoming and break, overcoming yourself actually, um, and breaking through uh, your comfort zone. And he uses the analogy of in your mind, you've got this idea of the, he calls it the governor. So the governor will always tell you why you, why you need to stop, why it's too hard, why you're not good enough, why, whatever the reasons are. Um, and he speaks at length about um, about how to use your mind to become almost unbreakable, and to do the things that you that you thought were impossible before you started. Does that make sense? Um, mm-hmm. And so you've mm-hmm. kind of done this um, in your own way. Um, and so I wanted to kind of and you touched on the idea of a comfort zone earlier, but I wanted to kind of get into it a little bit more. Um, how do you? break through your comfort zone how do you stay hard as a human being when you're trying to you know um do something that you previously thought was impossible and as you said i mean you weren't exactly a runner i mean i can't even imagine running 10ks let alone 6000 miles you know what i'm saying so <laughs> so like what did you learn about you know staying hard and persevering and developing this idea of grit no, that's a that's an excellent question, and I think what it comes down to was a part of this journey for me was reevaluating what it meant to be a man, hmm. right? Like I had always been around tough men who said very little and expressed themselves to hard through hard work. So if you weren't a hard worker, if you weren't good at a manly skill, there was no way of fitting in, right? And so I, when I joined this run, on so many levels, it was very powerful to see. Well, one of the most powerful things to see was men expressing different sides of manliness, right? And, and what that was, was showing emotion, articulating vulnerability, mm. articulating how we in society say weakness, right? And so for me, it's not necessarily about remaining hard. Um, it's about allowing yourself 
for a reason to you know to break down like like i i, I call it limping after reality sort of thing i i, I heard that somewhere right it's like mm. like that's how that's how the run is we were literally limping forward a lot of the times right meaning that we weren't this this, this robocop kind of people right we were people who were flawed we were we had weaknesses but we i think you had to sit with that and i think that's what allows us to keep going is that we have to sit with that because our bodies are trying to talk to us there's something in our story something in us that is saying there, there's something that that, that that is overwhelming in you and you have to sort of let it take you you know and so for me i think it was more scary not to have done this run and to then to have stayed you know like where i was right like mm. i was in college struggling to fit in and i had this huge burden over my shoulders to, to, to save my family like that's how i grew up i needed to save my family from poverty you know we grew up really poor and i was the one going to college and i was the one who was going to save them and then when i finally got there i wasn't doing good <laughs> and i was like wow i never imagined what i would do once i got into college that was not a conversation i ever had so so you know i like to remind people it's like we were literally limping after reality we were trying to grasp what that meant for us because there wasn't a space for me and us and people like me right mm. we had to create our own space so you know for me it was like either i get out there and create my own space or and re-transform what it means to be a latino working class indigenous right like or just continue to suffer the way i was and, and just be okay with the status quo but there isn't there wasn't a space for me and i think that's the thing about the beauty about running it was literally going out there and finding that space physically and spiritually and and with all our flaws and and and, and being weak you know like i had very you know our, we had our ups and downs but i think there's reasons why we need to get broken down you know the run would break you no matter what you know so it's like it would break you and rebuild you and so mm. who wants to commit to that right i don't want to go out there and, and, and get broken down and and then have to rebuild myself again but it's but i think there's a reason why why that happens and so um, but I think overall that is a strength, right? That is a strength that what kept you going on the run was the people. I think we're very solitary be- people. And I think that is, the, I, I think that is, that is a tough, a natural thing. Right. And I think that's why we think it's scary sometimes is that we think we've got to do things ourselves alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem with one of the problems in society is like, no, you always think about how you can carry your community forward. How can you do this for the name? Like when you run in the name of somebody else, when you dedicate a run to to something, like to, to a certain specific story in your narrative, something you heard and you just run for that story alone, you'll see how power, how much power you get. Now imagine there's 10 people around you doing that same thing, mm. confronting and having those conversations. You might be weak, but you have a mentor or someone who talks to you, talks through you and um, 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 helps you helps you through that, you know, and so it's 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 empowering and healing to know that there's someone else who's been through that. And I thought I was alone mm. when I joined this run, and it turned out there was a lot of people like me, mm. and that was very healing. And men and women and everyone who who had just a, a different outcome, and they said, "Look, no, here's another option." And you're like, "Well, I didn't know that existed. Look, at, here's someone who's modeling that." And so I think I was lacking models. To, to to who would model that behavior that manly behavior right mm. and and um it, it challenged my my notion of what that meant to be the strong manly man you know and and, and i and i challenged that and i think the peace and dignity journey challenges that, that you know yeah what, i think it's strong which i suppose is actually a big reason why um hull week in navy seal training is such an important thing because it does break you down um, it's designed to break you down. It's designed to to break you down to where you really do find yourself. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Um, and um, and so it's interesting because it's the exact opposite of what society teaches us in many respects, and that is not to be vulnerable, not to be weak, not to be, um, and in some cases, not to be truly authentic, you know, because authenticity, of course, if you don't have something truly of value to offer the world, then what are you doing, saying anything at all? Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, there's a lot of strength in vulnerability, I believe. Um, and um, but I think but a lot of us we're not prepared to be vulnerable we're not prepared to break ourselves down to the point of where we truly figure out that um, there's nothing left of for me to give physically or emotionally or spiritually to something and it's interesting that that the that the people that go there like David Goggins like Jocko Willink like um like many many other you know i regard who i would regard as inspiring people who found their voice they, who they found their point of difference um is because they have broken themselves down to where they find their truth where there's no more bullshit left there's only strength um and and authenticity and one's true self you know um, and so I wanted to kind of get your view is how does one embark on a journey like that? Like how do you decide that that is going to be my activities for this next period? I'm going to break myself down to a point where I'm going to find my truth. How do you, how do you begin a, a journey like that, which is, which is fraught with doubt, inner doubt, fear, and all those kinds of you know, natural human emotions? How does one begin that process of kind of transformation um, through suffering and um, and ultimately finding one's true self. No, that's that's great. Um, I think I think it. I think you just know, right? For me, we there's this narrative of having been dispossessed for so long. You know, like working in the in the in the warehouses in the factories with my mom, sorting apples, endless hours, standing up. You know, losing her, she's losing her sensation in her hands from overwork. So, like living in this society where you know bodies are instrumentalized and worn out, right? It's like so in a way, we had no choice. We were being sort of just broken down on someone else's terms. We were already down that path, right? And so, those moments, you know, there's sometimes you reach that moment of just like had enough. I don't have energy, like, and either, you know, and, and so, and so in a way it, it gives you this potentially that that's this moment of insight of like, how do I get out? How, how do I change this? How can I conquer it? You know, because we are, we're, you know, you know, uprooted, you know, especially as migrants, immigrants and whatever, you know, and we, and, and as humans, we're uprooted on, and so on in so, so many ways. Right. And so I was running to expel that pain. It was a healing act. You know, it's like, I wanted to heal and expel that. And so if you're someone who wanted to expel and wants to expel that pain, you know, go on this listening journey, you know, do it with people, you know, it's gotta include people, you know, because um, there's no other way. Sometimes so we can't do stuff for ourselves. Right. I think there's, there's that power and, and, and number. Mm. And so, so I, I already felt that I was already there. Um, and, and I, I think, you know, I don't know where I would have been, you know, if, if I hadn't done the run, right? But I think my whole life was building up to this moment. And then when I learned about it, something just clicked. There was just this fire that you feel that, you know, there's this calling that you know you have to do, that you know it feels right and you know that it feels beautiful and you know that you're doing something good. Because, you know, when you do something good for people and you know and you help somebody, it feels 
feels great, right? And you're like, wow, this is something, this is where I belong, right? It's that kind of feeling. And so I didn't feel like I belonged for so many years. And I knew that, I knew that I had that negative um, talk in my head for many years. So I was very well aware of all the things I wasn't good at and all the things that I, all the ways that I wasn't, you know, fitting into society. And then finally something comes along this way and, and it just, just made sense all of a sudden, you know, mm. and, and I, and you just can't let that go, you know? And I think if you have that moment, you just got to ex- explore it and you just got to just get in there and figure it out and ask those questions, you know, don't deny yourself that, that, that beautiful opportunity to heal. And maybe that's where you belong. And, you know, you'll do such great work if you commit to something like that. Right. But we each have our own journeys and our reasons for doing the things that we do, but it's always got to be people oriented. Mm. Um, um, that's how we move forward you know that's how we limp forward you know that's that's reality you know as long as we move forward yeah cool dude i've got so much stuff here coming in um this one's from sanal on youtube she says how do you motivate yourself to keep going even when things are really rough mm. you know it goes back to that story you know having that story we all got it we all got it we all got that secret story we all got that very private tender story you know, and, and, you know, our mother's story, our father's story, our origin story, our neighborhood story, our friend that we lost, you know, that passed away. We got those stories, right? And we might not be ready to confront those with words. But we can confront those with our bodies through running. And mm-hmm. if you go out there and you dedicate that run today after this, you know, and go and you watch, you'll see yourself just sort of, you know, just filled with fire for, for, for healing, right? And so, um you always gotta, you, you you know, you always gotta, you always gotta run in the name of, of something and someone. Mm. Um, so I got another question here from Andrea. She says, other than the feathered baton, was there anything else that you carried right from the start of the race till the end? Um, and if mm. you cut, co- and if you covered this in your book, apologies, definitely buying this book afterwards. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, definitely. So we definitely carried staffs that we, different staffs that we picked up every day. Um, that had a different symbolism, a different prayer, but I, I carried a dictionary. <laughs> a dictionary. Uh, yeah, I had a dictionary and a journal, you know, a little journal. And funny thing, I don't know how I decided that. I think it was more like I wanted to bring books. I figured I was gonna get bored at some point in my life in there, right? And I figured I was gonna have some downtime. But I said, you know, what? if I brought a dictionary, I'd probably have, you know, I'd have all the books in the world available to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I had all these words that I would just play around with and so I, I would make notes of these big words and whatever and so that was sort of my entertainment i had my dictionary i had my journal um but that's really really it you know your, your basics and stuff so mm. um but yeah you gotta have those little things cool uh this one's from indomisu on whatsapp uh the context of your book is running a thousand miles in search of yourself or thousands of miles i should say uh what do you recommend or advise for someone who has daily challenges but is unable to run, especially with COVID. Um, what are the other ways one can search for themselves? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, you know, and you know, the, this run um, was supposed to happen in 2020, this summertime, it was supposed to kick off again. So naturally it's been postponed until, you know, the world can heal again, you know? And so, but I think that comes down to, you know, it's just more than physical running, right? There's the symbolism, of what running means to you, right? So I think it's just trying to figure out what is that journey that you were already planning to be on, um, and 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 sit with it. You know, sort of that meditative ritual that that the run does for you, right? 
um, I'm lucky to be still located near a, a patch of forestry that like social distancing is very, very easy for me to do. Mm. Um, and I know not everyone has that ability, you know, if, if they can't. So I think it's really, you know, finding what it is to sort of run towards that, that healing space. And so I think it's about, you know, sitting with yourselves and having those meditative moments about what's been bothering you, you know, um, and where, where do you want to be in life when, when the world reemerges again, right? Like how mm. do we want to, how, how do we want to be as individuals and then ask yourself, what does that look like? Because, you, know, you know, you say, I want to be this nicer person or I want to be this kind of kinder person. Like, what is specifically, how does that look like? Oh, I want to say hi to individuals more often. You know, I want to I want to make eye contact more often. And I want, you know, those questions we've got to ask for ourselves. And so I think now is the time to just sit with that, you know, so that when we do come out, we come out. Okay. You know, running, <laughs> literally. Yeah, well, there you go, right? Um, you keep talking about this idea of healing and in, in the relationship to that in kind of suffering. Like you ran, you ran to heal yourself, you know. Uh, I wanted to kind of double down on that. What is, how do you, I mean, let me get quite simplistic around this because it's quite a complicated idea. Um, what is the relationship between suffering and healing in your experience? Why does that matter? Is that something that's true in your experience or is it something that isn't true? And if it is true, why do you feel people don't, you know, explore the idea of growth through suffering or healing through suffering? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, I think it's sort of the way I wrote the book too, right? You know, um, it was sort of this confronting this pain, right? Because it's been part of my narrative for so long. Mm. It would be, it would be wrong of me and it, you know, to, to sort of turn away from that just say, okay, I'm healed <laughs> or now I'm going to be this happy person. You know, now I'm going to just move on. I think I am who I am because of all that suffering growing up, right. You know, of, of, of you know, growing up impoverished, growing up, you know, living day by day, not knowing that we'd have something to eat the next day. Right. And so it really in informed who I am as a person. Right. And so I'm trying to honor those experiences, those tough experiences, and I'm also trying to complicate them, right? Because as a kid, I didn't always have the opportunity to reevaluate my experiences as a child. So when I write, I write, you know, to become the person I couldn't become, you know, that, that, that I wasn't as a, as a child, right? And so I run to, to reevaluate who I was as, as, as a younger person, right? But mm. also honoring those painful experiences, right? Because I think that's part of reality. That's part of our messy reality is that, we can't escape it, but, you know, we can confront it and we can try to make it beautiful again. And so for me, even though I've had this journey, it is an ongoing conversation because my mom is still working in those warehouses, right? My mom is still, you know, doing those things. And my dad is still out there and I got a lot of people and there's you know, even extended relatives and people I don't know in, in, a, in a general global level. There's, there's, there's still that ongoing you know, battle, you know, where people are, 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 are toiling with their bodies. And, and it is my obligation and my duty to, I think, to, 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 to create stories around that and try to create teachable moments so that people know what's going on in these warehouses, that people know that there is strength in these communities as well. Mm. And so, I, you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm, that's always going to be part of my narrative, you know. And so I'm trying to make pain beautiful again too, right, because there's beauty in pain. Mm. Um, um, and so, so yeah, it's a, it's a very complicated conversation that I have daily, right? And so I'm not ashamed of it. Um, I'm actually, you know, proud that I'm capable of 
that I'm trying to put words to it now. You know what I mean? Where, where I couldn't. And that's why I think for me, writing is very healing to me. Mm. I encourage people to find those mediums, right? Because it's, you know, it's, it's me trying to find words that I never had growing up, articulating these emotions that I had as a child that I couldn't in my household or couldn't because I didn't have that model of man. You know, I couldn't. And so I'm constantly rearticulating that experience. And I think that's okay. It's not about not moving on. It's about just honoring and carrying that with you, but complicating it now. It's about now, it's now about complicating your narrative and adding new experiences to it. And so, of course, I'm out there trying to find those new positive experiences and, you know, build beautiful connections. But mm-hmm. just, you know, having, having you know, you know, um, to honor your history for who, mm-hmm. who you are and how you became who you are. Yeah, I want to get into uh, legacy in a second, but I want to kind of st- stay on this um, idea of, you know, turning or using pain to create something beautiful, or transforming pain into something beautiful. You know, I think we all we all have negative experiences as human beings. Um and these either define us or they push they we use these negative experiences to push us forward. Does it make sense so they either define us and frame us into a negative space which then creates a narrative which we either adopt holistically and for uh, you know, for a long period of time. And oftentimes, you know, we don't you sort of break the cycle. We get we get stuck in this idea of of we're not good enough. You know, this thing happens, so therefore I'm not good enough to whatever it is. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not uh, I'm not worthy or whatever the case is. Um, and so what we do is we get stuck in this conversation with ourselves. Um, and um, and so I wanted to kind of get into that with you is around um, and keep these questions coming in, Keith. Uh, Keith, I'll get to you in a second. Zammer as well, Shailen. Um, but um, you know, the conversation with we have with ourselves is the most powerful conversation we can ever have, really, um, in, in many respects. Um, but oftentimes it's not a positive one. And so people are, you know, they, we, there's so many people, even people in my employment, they suffer from depression, they suffer from anxiety, they suffer from, um, you know, many things, guilt, self-worth issues, etc. And so how do you break the cycle of negativity in the conversation that you have with yourself? No, that's a great question, you know, and I sympathize with that, you know, and it's a very tough thing, you know, to, to experience, right, um, these negative emotions, and we're very good at that, <clears throat> and I think we live in societies where, you know, competitive, you know, we're, we're sort of trained to see the faults in things, and then we're trained to try to resolve them, right, and mm-hmm. so, and then always, we always come, you know, secondary, right, and so I think it's a matter of counterbalancing that those you know those 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 conversations you know because it's important to have those conversations right as long as you're having a conversation i think it's a good thing but i think the goal is trying to what i was you know trying to go through was self-love right knowing Mm. how to have kinder conversations about us and who we are right and being kinder to ourselves It's, it's 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 an ongoing process it's an ongoing conversation right but we have to know that like there is no ultimate answer that will remove us from that you know, I think it informs us. I think it makes us, I think it is an emotion that keeps us sort of checked into, into, into society. And, and it sort of tells us that, you know, um, that we want to make a change. Right. And I think, I think, I think we like that model. Right. And I think we had to plug ourselves into the community that, that is confronting those, those sorts of questions. Right. And so mm. for me, um, when I run, I don't know, it, it literally shakes me, you know, from those thoughts, you know, I need sometimes to be shooken from those thoughts, right? Sometimes I need to be distracted, right? And so for me, 
exposure, right? Exposing yourself to new things, right? Exposing yourself to new ways of sort of seeing the world, people who are modeling new ways of, 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 of interacting with, you know, with your surroundings, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, it's just what it really comes down to is just like simple survival, just like merely going, merely going on is the ultimate gesture, right? Mm. So just we got to know that. Like that is, that is what it is. We're, it's going to be an ongoing process. But as long as we're making that inquiry, as long as we're having that conversation, it's good. And we shouldn't feel bad about feeling bad, right? You know, like, you should just be like, that's okay. We are all out there. We're having that. And I, and I have those moments, right? And so mm. it's like, but, you know, and, and if today is not the day that I feel up for anything, well, that's okay. You know, that is my sacred space. I have a safe space. That's okay, you know. But let's 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 increase our exposure to to newer to newer realities. Let's connect people. Let's have those conversations. And I think it's a very healing thing. And I was around a community of runners, right? Mm. That were going through the same thing, you know. Who were battling drug addiction. Who were battling, you know, mental illness and stuff like that. And, and that is a very common thing that we don't talk about, you know, mm. mental illness here in society, right? So yeah. Um, I think I think we're saying on the run enough is enough there we are out there and 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 we want to change and we want to put in the work you know so just know you're not alone you know a lot of us are are struggling and having those conversations too are you listening to the audio version only of this podcast well if you are you can also now join the live broadcast experience on any of our social media channels. That's YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Simply plug in Matt Brown Show on YouTube, Matt Brown ZA on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please, guys, do us a favor. If you have been following the show, which I know many of you have been doing, head on over to iTunes, guys, when you have a minute and leave us a review. It would be great to get feedback from you directly on the show, and it would also help us to reach more entrepreneurs all around the world. Uh, this question's from Keith on Facebook. He says, um, please ask Noe what is the biggest thing that makes him get up in the morning and believe, yes, I can do. And he says, um, and override your own mindset that tells you that you can't. So this is the this is idea of governor. You know, the governor governing who you, who you think you are and what your potential is. Um, that's a great question. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm curiosity. <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm. I, I think it's essential to be curious, to, to keep, you know, to, you know, to have that child within you, you know, be curious about things, you know, assume you don't know things and you assume you want to see things for the first time, you know, just, just trying to learn, you know, I, I, I've always had this curiosity as a kid, you know, even though I had the words to put, um, you know, put words into things, you know, and describe my surroundings. I was always out there getting lost in the fields. I was always, curious to see things from a new perspective you know and so you know just challenge your perspective you know i think um i love nature you know unfortunately we are a lot of us are, are limited from getting out there you know um but you know it, you know it's a, i think it's a different answer every day to be mm. honest mm. um um you know i read my books right i uh, I, I engage in crafts you know I, i'm always trying to busy myself in, in ways that allow me to express myself differently and if I can change that and share that with people, that might be able to, you know, bring some healing to the community. Mm. But, but that's a great question. You know, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. That's <laughs> what we do here on the Map Brown Show. <laughs> uh, cool. So uh, this one's from Zama. She says, did the weather help while you were running? 
was it rainy, sunny? Did you love being in this type of ele- you know, this kind of environments and enjoying nature? Or was it a challenge for you that you made the run? You know, did it make the run more difficult? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, 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 I didn't always love it. <laughs> you, know, I was, um, you know, when I was in Canada, my first day out there was it was rain, 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 and I slept in a rainy tent. And I was like, "What did I do? I bought a one-way ticket. Oh my god!" You know, <clears throat> but but yeah, it was it was beautiful. You know, running in that rain. Um, you know, running in, in desert. Um, um, it was it was hard, but it was. You know the the different smells that came from different landscapes was just gorgeous, gorgeous. And, you know, there's you know we shower right, and so I remember we didn't have a lot of we didn't have rain for the longest time in, in sort of in Arizona, in the desert country, and then finally rain broke, and I was in the middle of nowhere. I just like stripped down, and I had you know um, like the soap that I borrowed from a friend, and I just quickly showered under the rain because I don't know how long it took. I think it was like a week or so before I showered. And, you know, it was just like moments like that that you just sort of embraced that. And, and you know, it was a reminder of how much bigger things are than you. Like, it's always, it's good to, 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 to know that. Like, there's always something bigger than you, right? Mm. That's okay. You know, and like nature is always going to be there to remind you that it's bigger than you. And, and it's going to remind you with rain and, and heat and, 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 and just sort of incorporate that into your philosophy. Things will be a lot easier, you know? Mm. Um. Cool. I want to get into quotes of the day. So here we go. Do you have an inspiring quote for us, Noe? Uh, yeah, actually. So a quote that I've been operating by for, for a while is is actually from a South African author, writer, um, drum writer, Eskim Falele. Right? Um, the strong sense of community makes it imperative that you hammer out a way of talking to your people. Don't take the easy way out, right? So it really speaks to putting in the work to really connect with your community. And I think that's part of the problem that we're having these days is that we aren't developing, we ain't working hard enough to sort of hammer out a language that makes sense to your community. You know, we have to put in that work and we have to bridge those divides between our communities and we have to, you know, get out there and expose ourselves, develop a common language, you know, and it's going to be very messy, but... Mm. It's, that's, that's what we are that's, that's what we are so what strikes me here is is the idea of legacy in, in both in terms of your story but also in terms of the you know the indigenous nations that you interacted with and that you met on this 6,000 mile journey um, what have you learned about creating legacy or honoring a legacy mm. Oh, that's a good. Um, I think that's what really contributed to why it took me long, longer to write this book, right? Because I was so terrified of immortalizing my own parents' story in something so heavy, right? I told myself, well, if I told tell the story of my mom working in a warehouse, if I tell these the story of you know. The just you know this the disappeared indigenous girl in Canada right there's this highway where there's a lot of murdered and disappeared indigenous women right that that, that is ongoing in, in Canada right that you know it's like I didn't want to trap that, ourselves in that narrative you know but at the same time we have to confront those realities you know we have to bring that to the front and so 
so you know part of it was how do i also counterbalance that with the beauty of, of, of the lessons be you know of of all that and so it's a it's a hard question that I ask myself every day, you know, and, and I don't know if I have an answer to it, but I, I think for me, the legacy that I want to leave is, is a, is not, is a verbal one, right? It's in, in the, in the book spirit run. And I think it's a start of a conversation. And I think that's what I really wanted to do is I wanted people, I wanted to, it to raise more questions than answers. And now I wanted to sort of complicate the narrative in my family legacy of what it means to run. So mm-hmm. when my sister's kids or one day when I have kids, right? So I wanted to, um, I want, you know, you know, people from my community or people who resonate with this story, I want them to have options as to what it means to be a runner, what it means to migrate, what it means to move in the world, right? And what it means to be displaced. Maybe it's not about being displaced anymore. Maybe it's about going on these listening journeys going on these healing journeys and finding ourselves because sometimes we might not have a space. Maybe the society is not creating a space for us and we need to find that space. And that is a worthwhile adventure, I think, you know? And so, so yeah, just, just challenging what it means to be a runner. And so I think my legacy is that I'd like to contribute is, you know, run on your own terms and that's okay. You know, and you're going to find some great, some great stories out there and some people who will bring you much healing. So. Yeah. My legacy is just walked into the room. Uh, funny days crazy times um so let's let's get into the injustice league um so no way what is one injustice that you see in the world today so 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 many but right it's um working class right just um how i think the working class I've been treated, right? Um, just, you know, living on the periphery. So for me, I think the injustices that go with all the hardworking, working class people and what that means, you know, we all look very different. The, you know, the indigenous, the, 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 the white, you know, the, the, the African, the whatever, you know, whatever working class means, you know, it's like just those harsh conditions, right? That, that keep society going, right? And I think it's, um, I think they could be treated better, you know, and I think there could be a lot more, you know, rights to protect them. Um, but for me, it's, it's, it's definitely, I think that one's one, one that really stands out to me at the, at the moment. Right. All, all righty then. And um, while my legacy is now carrying a bike out the room, that's one injustice that I see. Don't ride enough motorbikes mm-hmm. with lockdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, cool. Let's get into our <laughs> gifts from the MapRound show. So guys, if you haven't yet done so, um, you can get your copy of uh, this here book, this uh, number one Amazon bestselling book, Your Inner Game. A lot of the stuff we've actually been talking about today is, is kind of covered here to some extent. Um, but uh, you can do that now on uh, mattbrownshow.com. Uh, but no way, let's wrap this up. Um, why do you do what you do? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Mm. I, um, I think I, you know, I do what I do because it's an opportunity to finally amplify a voice that I don't think has been amplified for a very long time. You know, I think the kind of writing that I enjoy doing and I want to continue doing is, you know, these working class narratives, these, these just getting into these really, you know, spaces that, that people don't know about and then trying to sort of um, bring, you know, bring it to the attention of, of people. So I, I get up so that I can 
be curious about the world so that I can write about that world and so that I can connect with people. Writing connects me to people, gives me an opportunity to hang out with people that I wasn't able to hang out with before I was a writer. Right now, I can potentially hang out with people and not be weird about it. Right now, you know, I can get out there and try new things. And so, but, you know, trying to bring healing as best I can and share those narratives with people. I think stories are, are what keep me going and, and I think they'll keep me going for a really long time. Well, no, I love those sentiments. Um, and yeah, I want to just say thank you for, for sharing what you have shared today. It's been a privilege and an honor to kind of, you know, tell your story and to kind of give a little bit of insight and um, hopefully um, power to our audience uh, around the world um, who are all suffering, you know, in their own ways. Life is largely about suffering and, um, you know, it's about figuring out what to do in that space and ultimately to find meaning. Um, so I think, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to pick up a copy of your book um, and uh, I'm going to feed it back to you. So uh, thank you very much for your time. It's been a, a real privilege having you on the show. Yeah, thank you. You know, remember, we got to move forward awkwardly with others uh, together. And so it's, it's been an honor talking with you, Matt, and, and, your, and your people. So um, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to the Matt Brown Show, guys. Don't forget, you can catch me on all social media platforms for the latest updates, news, and a show history. So if you've been catching this on the podcast, please head on over to our YouTube channel and pound that subscribe button. It would be great to catch the video version there. And if you want a free copy of my number one Amazon best-selling book, you're in a game for free right now today. You can grab that on mattbrownshow.com forward slash ebook. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an x.com.